Welcome to episode 22 of Mike's Notes. Today, seven business lessons that are a hundred years old. center around the life of Milton Snavely Hershey and his story as told by Michael D'Antonio in his book Hershey. I picked up this book before we took a family vacation to Hershey Park in Pennsylvania and while I didn't read it before the vacation I'm glad I read it now. Hershey's story is really similar to some of the other business biographies that I've read. If you've been following along with this podcast, this episode is going to have a lot in common with episode 19, where we looked at the advice Phil Knight gave in his book, Shoe Dog, and how that aligned with the advice Peter Thiel gave in his book, Zero to One. And all three of these people, Knight, Thiel, and Hershey, followed similar patterns. They had a lot of things in common that led to their success in businesses. And Hershey's experiences, his story, satisfies both of the criteria that I use to figure out whether or not something is a good idea. If a lot of people are doing it and having success at it, then it's probably a good idea. So you could look at exercise as being a modern version of that, or a plant-based or a paleo diet, where it seems like even those are relatively new ideas, a lot of people are doing it and seem to be having success. The other litmus test for a good idea is if people have been doing it a long time. Books are a nice example of this, where books that have been around a long time are generally pretty good, and that's a nice place to start your reading. So let's get into it. Here are the seven business lessons I learned from Milton Snavely Hershey. One. Hershey was a relentless tinkerer. He was always experimenting and trying to figure out what would make a good piece of candy. When he started as a caramel manufacturer, he went through different trainings in different parts of the country and found out that different combinations led to a chewier or firmer or longer lasting caramel. When vitamins were discovered in the 1930s, he tried to incorporate those vitamins into the chocolate that he was making. So Hersey was always messing around, even late in his life, after he had given up control of the company and the day-to-day operations. He still had a laboratory where he did experiments for the chocolate company. And many of those things were a bust, but he had to put in the work for those failed experiments to find the ones that succeeded. A lot of people who succeed in business are tinkers. Peter Thiel wrote that good things only come to people who are relentless searchers. Bill Bowerman, the co-founder of Nike, tinkered his way to the waffle trainer, which was one of the first really successful Nike sneakers. San Francisco driveway engineers got visited by kids like Steve Jobs as they tinkered around with shortwave radios and other technology. Tinkering also leads us to the second lesson from the book, that is to get a deep understanding. Two. Milton Hershey had a deep understanding because he was a relentless tinkerer, because he had those different jobs making caramel in Philadelphia and New York City and Denver, Colorado. After he switched to caramel, he 
employed the resources of Lancaster, PA and the dairy farms there. And soon he realized that Holstein cows had better milk for chocolate than Jersey cows, and so he replaced his entire herd very early on. When corn syrup came around, he never switched to it even though it was cheaper because he knew that the corn syrup would infuse his chocolate with a different taste. And part of the reason his chocolate stood out, that it was so exceptional, was because of the sugar that he used in it and the flavor. And he knew not to mess that up because he had a deep understanding. Other business entrepreneurs understand the value of this deep understanding. Sophia Amoruso wrote this about it in her book, Girl Boss. Quote, I entered adulthood believing that capitalism was a scam, but I've instead found that it's a kind of alchemy. You combine hard work, creativity, and self-determination, and things start to happen. And once you start to understand that alchemy, or even just recognize it, you can begin to see the world in a different way. End quote. So Amoruso found out that once she had a deep understanding of what business is, then she could play the game by those rules. She could succeed in that way. She could make it alchemy, where she could turn lead into gold. So in the same way that Hershey understood the chocolate process and then the chocolate business, Amoruso applied that deep understanding to business in general. Phil Knight knew about shoes because he did a report on them as in his graduate coursework in Stanford. He imported shoes before he even started the company of Nike, which we looked at in episode 21 of this podcast. The opposite of deep understanding is shallow understanding, and we touched on that a little bit in episode 17 about Charles Ponzi. Ponzi's scheme was not to create a pyramid scheme where he scammed people out of money. His initial plan was to exchange currency for international reply coupons, basically stamps that you could send anything around the go, around the world. And while money was fixed and there were exchange rates where the money fluctuated on, these international exchange coupons didn't have such a market. And so there was a mispricing between the coupons and the money you used to buy the coupons. Ponzi's problem was that he never figured out the final step. If he bought a lot of coupons where he could afford to buy a lot, and he could send them to a country where they were worth more, but he didn't have the deep understanding to figure out how do you turn these coupons into money. He couldn't sell them in bulk. He couldn't go to places that used a lot of postage. Um, he was stuck because he lacked that deep understanding. Three. Milton Hershey had a supportive spouse. Catherine Kitty Hershey supported his work and played a role that fit in with what Milton was trying to do. She wasn't um, a housewife in the sense that she did the chores around the house. Rather, she was more of an entertainer. She was the public face that went along with his. When people would come to their homestead to do some of the experiments, to have a deep understanding and to be relentless tinkerers, she would entertain people with stories. Uh, people said that she was very beautiful and her beauty was part of the Hershey mystique. I never thought about spouses as a business strategy, but it comes up again and again with people that it's definitely worth mentioning. Malcolm Gladwell had a nice take on this on a Freakonomics podcast that he did in early 2016. This is what he said to host Stephen Dubner. Quote, To me, the point of 10,000 hours is, if it takes that long to be good, you can't do it by yourself. If you have to play chess for 10 years in order to be a great chess player, then that means you can't have a job. Or maybe if you have a job, it can't be a job that takes up most of your time. It means you can't come home 
do the dishes, mow the lawn, take care of your kids. Someone has to do that stuff for you, right? End quote. Gladwell's point to Dubner was that you have to do 10,000 hours to be great at something, but you can't do the 10,000 hours all on your own if you have these other responsibilities. In a sense, that's what Hershey had. Milton and Kitty never had kids, but there were other things Kitty was able to do that Milton didn't have to worry about because she was interested in other hobbies, because they were able to travel together. All these different factors worked together to make the whole greater than the sum of the parts. And that's true for other people as well. Brian Koppelman and astronaut Chris Hadfield and Navy SEAL Jocko Willink all credit their spouse's support as being part of their success. A great spouse makes having a great business a lot easier. Four. Milton Hershey also had a moment. Time and place matter. Conditions matter. There's always some confluence of trends that helps shape a situation. For Hershey, it was a combination of Civil War reconstruction, which built railroads through his part of Pennsylvania. That meant getting his caramel to the world and then his chocolate to the world a lot easier. It was also a time of incredible technological inventions. The Wright brothers were learning to fly. Yelgo Marconi was sending wireless signals. The factorization, the industrialization of parts of America were taking place. So there was this spirit of the time that things could be done and then that things would be done by people who wanted to do it. Peter Thiel warned that moments like this only happen once, that the internet was only going to come around one time. And this was true for Hershey and other national brands that were coming up at the time. Coke, Ford, and Wrigley all grew at the same time that Hershey was growing. Teddy Roosevelt saw that timing and conditions matter when he was elected to the New York State Assembly. A scandal had just passed through that governing body and seats were open because of that. Before other powers were aligned, Theodore Roosevelt got in and got his start in politics. Ezra Klein says he entered blogging right at the right time. Martin Luther needed the printing press to spread his word. Timing and conditions matter, and you have to be able to take advantage of whatever those are in your time to seize that moment, to really have a success. In his latest book, The Inevitable, Kevin Kelly writes that we shouldn't look back on times and think, oh, things were so easy then, if only we could have done that. Kevin Kelly says that early on, lots of domains were available. Kevin Kelly remembers being in a meeting with ABC Studios and telling them to buy ABC.com, but they didn't do it. And you and I, in 2016, can look back on those days and think, if only we would have registered suchandsuch.com. It was so easy to start a business then. But that's a bit of a bias on our part. It's always going to be easy to start a business. Kevin Kelly says that the things we're going to be using in 30 years haven't even been invented yet. The iPhone is not even 10 years old. So we can look back and we can think that those were easier days to start things, but it's all a matter of seizing the conditions around you. There's always going to be fertile conditions for something to grow. And that's what Hershey found in the early 1900s. Five. Milton Hershey surrounded himself with good people, or good people surrounded Hershey, depending on how you want to look at it. He was lucky that his aunt Maddie helped in his early stores alongside his mother. And maiden aunts often did that kind of thing. 
for Theodore Roosevelt, it was his sister who didn't marry until late in life, but even then, she was a constant resource for him, someone that he could turn to. Milton Hershey was also lucky that the people he employed in Hershey, Pennsylvania, and in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, were the kind of people that wanted to work. He created a community that brought in people who looked to have a steady job and a safe place and a nice place to live. Part of the reason that Louis C.K. wanted to create his latest show, Horace and Pete, was that he could have control over the situation. He could choose the people that he wanted to work with, and that's how he ended up going about it. He wrote roles and then sought out people based on who he thought would do a good job and who would be enjoyable to work with, rather than someone who would be big for ratings or who would draw a small or large salary, depending on how you were motivated. Having good people around you makes good work easier to do. Six. Milton Hershey was lucky. There's always some component of luck in anyone's success. And the biggest for Hershey was when he started a caramel company and a British traveler happened to pass through the town that he was in. The man placed a large order which Hershey filled and that paid for his first set of equipment. He was also lucky when he established sugar production on the island of Cuba. And he was lucky with the 1929 stock market crash, which wiped out plans for his company to be part of a large conglomerate. Each of those three things was not something that Hershey had direct control over. Even his sugar plantations in Cuba, he could build up those plantations, but they only paid dividends because of World War II, which shut down sugar transportation across the Atlantic. And so his sugar became more valuable because it was easier to import. Luck always plays a role. Howard Marks said, quote, Part of the luck is to get there in the early as I did. End quote. Marks was able to start a high-yield bond fund because no one else was there. He was lucky to get there. Phil Knight wrote, quote, Luck plays a big role. Hard work is critical. A good team is essential. Brains and determination are invaluable. But luck may decide the outcome. End quote. Seven. Milton Hershey escaped the competition. When the Lancaster Caramel Company was most successful, Hershey sold it. He thought the market was becoming too congested. D'Antonio wrote, quote, The caramel business was getting crowded with competitors who, like the cracker companies, might chew up one another in a price war. At the same time, America's appetite for chocolate, an alternative candy treat, was growing, end quote. This almost reads out of Peter Thiel's book Zero to One, where he says the most successful companies are monopolies, whether they admit it or not. And often it's to the company's advantage not to admit it. That's what Hershey ended up doing. Caramel was really popular, but there was almost no chocolate companies. Chocolate in the early 1900s was really hard to make. Some people were doing it okay in Europe, but nobody was making really good milk chocolate. But Milton Hershey figured it out. Monopolies tend to work when you start small and then you can grow into something that can become much larger. Chris Saka said, quote, The way that Uber got dismissed was that they were viewed as a very niche activity and very constrained, end quote. So people saw Uber as not being something that could scale, not being something that could grow. And we could see parallels with that with chocolate in the early 1900s. It could melt. It wasn't very good. Um, there was too much other stuff that people were consuming. There wasn't the same distribution systems that there are now. Each of those things could have been seen as a knock against starting a chocolate company rather than continue the profitable caramel company.
Hershey also succeeded because he was early. Burton Mackiel said about investing in index funds, quote, when you have a market that is 90% professional and probably 95% of the trading is done professionally, the competition means that if somebody has got a good idea, they act on it and the price reflects that idea. As the market gets more and more professional, when people are better trained and when people have better sources of information, then it's harder and harder to actually beat the market, end quote. So as this applies to index funds and stock trading, it also applies to the chocolate business. Hershey didn't have any competition. There wasn't 90% of the people doing it professionally. There was only a few people doing it professionally. And Hershey was one of them. So his advantage lay in the fact that there wasn't a lot of competition. Nobody had a monopoly in the chocolate business, whereas the caramel business was much more cutthroat and was going to be determined on who could sell things at the lowest price. It was a race to the bottom. Those are seven business practices that Milton Snavely Hershey applied and that people are still using today. Thanks for listening to episode 22 of Mike's Notes. Well, that's very nice. Thank you very much. Now, why don't you make like a tree and get out of here? It's leave, you idiot. Make like a tree and leave. You sound like a damn fool when you say it wrong. All right, then, leave and take your book with you.